10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Hello and welcome to Swansea and tonight on the show we are talking top teacher interview tips. We're talking the tour, preparing, arrival, the lesson, pupil panel, lesson reflection, interview questions, safeguarding and that call at the end. So join us, tune in, talk it out. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Um, Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea, welcome to the Twilight Show, me Nathan Ginn here on Teachers Talk Radio and tonight we are talking about teacher interview tips, we've had it out uh, on Twitter, lots of feedback from lots of different people, I've been reading out lots of their comments, we've also got tips from other places, articles, uh, newspapers, websites, all kinds of things but as I say there's a lot to go through but we are sticking with a basic kind of uh, teaching interview because it's been really interesting to hear um, what you know what a lot of people have been uh, sharing about how they are I guess doing interviews a little bit differently these days maybe considering what they're doing so we might have time to talk about some of those more unique things later on but as I say the main bit for us we're going to be talking about the school tour preparing before you go at the arrival on the day we're going to be talking about um that lesson there is always you know some part an activity a lesson that you have to deliver that's still quite a common thing we're going to be talking about the pupil panel again another fairly common thing to happen where you have a group of children sat in front of you we're going to be talking about the lesson reflection commonly commonly now you'll be asked to reflect on what you've just done uh, we'll also talk about the interview itself, some of those common questions, but also some of the trickier ones. What made you teach? Why did you choose to apply here? Obviously, there is always a safeguarding question, but right at the end, they always throw that kicker in of any other questions. Do you have any questions? And that can be really tricky for some people. Then right at the very end of the show, we'll talk about the call and how to handle that right at the end um, You know, uh, of the day. Hopefully, you'll hear on the day. Um, but other things while we're talking, while we're just getting ourselves settled in for the show, and it's great to see people coming in, don't forget you can comment live, you can text in your questions, you can even join us, call in if you want, um, and ask those questions. But today, we have hit on Teachers Talk Radio our half a million downloads. So for today, we have uh, had our 500,000th download of a Teachers Talk Radio show as a podcast afterwards. Um, for me, it's my 40th show today, which is another milestone for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I will say to anyone listening, get involved. You know, we, it is teachers, real teachers. I am a teacher most of my week, or I say most of my week, all of my week is spent teaching. Uh, and so it is people talking about the job itself. Um, you know, I think it's something like 
95, 90% of our hosts are active teachers. And so it's real teachers talking about the real things that affect teachers. So before we get started, I better set the scene a little. Um, this comes from a blog by on the eTeach website, and it starts off, the most important thing to remember for your interview is not to panic. Uh, do your research and be yourself. If an educational institution selects you from all the other candidates for interview, it's because something about you as an individual stood out to them. Uh, they may think you're a great fit for their staff or some element of your application struck them as empathetic, professional, impressive, enough to really strike a chord with their students. And yeah, they go on to say there's no one size fits all approach to interviews. So, as I say, we're keeping it very generic, uh, very uh, common to the common elements that most commonly appear within interviews. And the first one that I wanted us to talk about in uh, chronological order, I guess, we've set up this show. So it will be, you know, as you go through, we're ignoring the application process itself. There's probably a whole show on writing a good application, but we're going to start off with the tour. Now, chances are you'll have done this before um, the actual interview day. You might have been for a tour, or if you haven't, they might, as you arrive, and I've had this happen to me, uh, take you for a tour. They might have uh, maybe some governors. They might have some pupils to take you on a tour. They might have another member of staff. So at some point, you're probably going to get a tour. Um, now, if it is before the day, it's not supposed to form part of the judging. Uh, and some people are surprised by that. I, in my heart of hearts, find it really hard to believe that that is the case, that there is no impression that you give that um, they don't take away from it. You know, you are meeting people. And so whether you believe that or not, it's not supposed to form part of the uh, um, actual application process. Um, so whether you, as I say, whether you believe that or not is up to you. My opinion would be it is best to yeah, set a good impression, be smart, be punctual, be polite. I, I've heard of uh, applicants being rude to people who are giving the tour or being dismissive of them. And it turns out that it turns out they are later on the panel. Um, so, yeah, you want to be careful of who's giving that tour. Um, also, I've heard of people um, being dismissive to reception staff, uh, you know, as they go in the office staff. Um, and again, that will get back to people. And whether it is part of the formal judging or not, um, I'd say err on the side of caution. Um, we've had some tweets in. Um, one of them from Dan Rosen at Musings of a Doctor um, says, ask open-ended questions. Uh, there's nothing more awkward than a silent one-sided tour. Again, that's great advice. It's also a great time to mine for information about things that you're either going to put in your application or things that you're going to mention in interview. There's a lot of information to pick up there. Uh, Tim Fry uh, at Kennel Liver um, said, uh, pick up a piece of litter. Believe it or not, this action once got me the job. There are a lot of these tips out there. Would I pick up a piece of litter? How would I feel if I was a leader and someone picked up a piece of litter. I suppose it depends on how they did it. I'd be probably impressed. I think with some of these psychological techniques, though, you've got to be a little bit careful. Um, so the tour. Now, remember, if you are listening in live, you can, of course, uh, text in a comment, text in a message. But for the most part, for the most part, 
Um, we are going to be spending maybe five to ten minutes on each of these sections and uh, hopefully spending a little bit more on the interview questions because that's where most people get to. So that is the tour. Not a lot to say. Be polite, be smart, be punctual. Remember, they probably are judging you even though they're not allowed to. It's not part of the application process, although I would say in my heart of hearts it is. Uh, that takes us on to our next section. Our next section is about preparing. Now, this kind of goes without saying that you're going to prepare, but there is a lot of information and some people can, you know, it can take a large amount of time. Some people don't get a lot of notice. You know, sometimes it can be a couple of days notice of time that you have um, to do that. Hopefully, you've uh, done some preparation before you know a bit about the school before you put your application in so you will have found out some of that information to make sure it's not a really generic application um, but there's you know so much information to consume on the school's website um, the key bit for me would be newsletters uh, they give you a good idea of the school's priorities, tell you what's what's going on in the school. Anything that a head teacher has chosen to put in the newsletter or an administrator has chosen to put in the newsletter is probably something they're proud of, probably something they want to sing about. And so it's worth recognising. So if you can get hold of some of those newsletters, which are generally on most websites, you'll be able to trawl back through. You can also trawl back over a bit of time. It's particularly interesting if there's been a change of head teacher, if there have been any changes of staffing or, or, or any real changes at the school. You can see how that was explained to parents and the school community. It's a really good place to find information. Uh, the other thing that I would suggest you look at is the PP statement. Uh, for those of you listening abroad, it's a pupil premium statement. It has to be published. It's one of the non-negotiables that schools have to publish online because it talks about how you are spending the additional funds you get for disadvantaged pupils. Now, you don't have to uh, put your school improvement plan on the uh, on the website. You don't have to talk about the things that you're doing to make things better. Uh, you do have to have your Ofsted report. But one of the key bits then is this pupil premium statement. Um, as long as any uh, with any sports grants that you would have, you'd have to have information about how you're using that. But the pupil premium statement and how you're spending it tells you a lot about the school. It's the closest thing that schools probably got to their school improvement plan. And it, we talk about things that they are doing to improve teaching and learning and learning in particular for disadvantaged groups. Uh, it can be a significant amount of money. And it also tells you um, a lot about their approaches to dealing with issues so it's a great place to look um, lots of the other stuff on there is going to be very generic of course the school will likely have its uh, curriculum it will have some maybe of its subject uh, maybe um, they would be called uh, like one page curriculum maps if you're in primary maybe it will have some information on there such as knowledge organizers if you're a secondary school and those are good to get kind of an idea for where it's at but it's not going to tell you about that school specifically uh, another tweet that we've had in from Soph at Geography GE. Uh, I recommend having a good look at the website before arriving so you have some knowledge of the times of day uh, and what kind of things to expect. Uh, also shows you're interested. Also, if the school has a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, have a look at those. And I'd say that's a really good point. Uh, you know, the timings of the day, if you can find that out from 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 the um 
website will help you think about the structure and what's going on. And some schools do have significantly different timings. Uh, the other great thing about looking at their social media, of course, is if they're putting it on there, they are proud of it. And if they're proud of it, that's something that you can maybe talk about or delve into a little bit more. Uh, the inquisitive teacher at uh, CoS Educator um, says, do a test run to see how to get to the building and where to park. Again, yeah, another great piece of advice there. Um, that would be, you know, some schools, are, you know, and I think of my own school, current school in particular, um, there are certain times of day that the um, you're not allowed to enter the school car park because uh, it's a shared entrance with where the pupils come in. And so, you know, if you need to park on site, there would be a time then when the children are arriving, you wouldn't be able to get on site. Um, also, sometimes schools now, often then they're, they're not built with enough parking for the number of staff they have. Uh, and so it might be that you're expected to park off site. It might be, you know, and this would be something worth asking, it might be that they uh, are saving a parking space for you. Um, but definitely think about how you're going to get there. Is there going to be traffic doing a test run if you can at the time of day? Uh, so you know what traffic's like is a great piece of advice for that preparing uh, to, to go to your interview. Uh, Gemma Lettingham at Gemma Lettington said, uh, take your favorite drink and snack for a break. And I love that, that, you know, such a great tip um, of thinking about something that in the middle of all this stress, you can have a little bit of me time. You can enjoy yourself uh, if that's the right word, or you can pamper yourself or that you can have some me time. So your favorite drink, your favorite snack, so you can center yourself and feel a bit more settled. Now, that means we've talked about the school tour. We've talked about preparing. Uh, we are going to talk about the arrival. So you are, it is the day of your interview and you know the time and you've checked the parking spaces and you are going to be arriving at the school. Now, my first piece of advice, they would be on time. Uh, I'd also say ask to use the toilet almost not immediately but but near the beginning because you don't know you know things are going to get a bit hectic there might not be gaps you know make sure you, you go to the toilet nice and early I'd say assume anyone who is uh, walking past you is on the interview panel a bit like when we said earlier about those school tours you don't want to set the wrong tone with the wrong person and again I've heard uh, stories of people talking glibly to uh, who they think may be passers-by who turn out to be the chair of governors or the head teacher. Um, so, yep, polite, assume everyone is judging you in, in a nice way. Um, if they offer a drink, accept it. And this is the only one of those ones where I'm saying, like, you know, it's it's psychological, it's Darren Brown here, but someone doing something for you, it builds rapport. Uh, don't use your phone. I'd suggest against that. You know, I, as a leader, if I saw someone sat there on their phone, I think maybe I'd think, you know, is that playing? Is it setting a good example? You know, it's in a school now. Maybe phones are banned. So I'd suggest taking, you know, a, a notepad, read through your notes, read through the school prospectus. Instead, looks a lot more professional. Uh, you know, I'd, uh, playing on your phone is a no for me. Uh, Mr. Owen at uh, Mr. Owen Leeds uh, gives the tip, don't drink too much coffee beforehand. Uh, you might get shaky. And for that matter, don't drink too much beforehand. Uh, needing to wee isn't conducive to performing your best. And then he also says, but don't drink too little or you'll dry up. And then he says, it's a minefield actually, isn't it? 
and it, and it really is you know but being you know on your peak performance is a good thing uh, now we've got tips for success from wgu.edu online uh, and this is by susan capek tingley who what i look for in a teacher candidate tips for success what she looks for and the first one on there is dress professionally so a little more business-like than you do for a daily teaching assignment i'd say that as well you know particularly in primary we can you know we can drop down in our uh, smartness when we're really engaging in teaching and some days you know if you know you're going to be outdoors a lot or you know you're teaching p those can drop down i think you know to take it seriously for an appointment uh, dressing business like is a good piece of advice uh, she advises arrive 15 minutes early uh, if you're not sure where the school is take a trial run yep we've heard that as a great piece of advice before uh, it's hard to recover from being late yeah, I would agree. If you're flustered, you know, it sets a bad impression. Being late, um, it just starts you on the wrong foot and it's hard to get yourself back together. Her final point was bring a folder, paper and a pen. It's okay to jot down notes during the interview. And I'd say it's okay then to make notes while you're sitting in the waiting time as well. You know, look busy, look uh, professional, uh, and so, as I say, that's where my idea of uh, not using your phone comes from. Now, our final uh, piece of tip, I guess, for this section or one of them is from Sam Elliott at Asbo Teacher on Twitter, who said trip over a table on your way in or out. Uh, hashtag pratfall effect. Look it up and thank me later. I did look it up and the pratfall effect uh, according to Wikipedia at least, is in social psychology, the pratfall effect is a tendency for interpersonal appeal to change after an individual makes a mistake, uh, depending on the individual's perceived competence. In particular, highly competent individuals tend to become more likable after committing mistakes, while the average seeming individual tends to be less likable if they commit the same mistake. So this comes from 1966, um, Elliot R. Aronson, uh, who um, discovered or did some testing or came up with this. Uh, so Sam's uh, tip there is that, yeah, uh, trip over something to make yourself seem more likable. I'm going to put that in my category with other uh, slightly dangerous. I'm going to pop that in there with uh, the picking up a piece of litter. Try at your own risk. I, you know, I'm not sure. You'd have to certainly have to be very confident to think I'm going to deliberately sabotage uh, my own entrance. Um, another tweet that we've had in uh, from Mr. H at Maths Mr. H. Uh, a friend of mine took a packet of biscuits for the formal interview and placed them in the middle of the table for everyone to share, broke the ice and made everyone smile. Yeah, yeah. OK, so another of our Darren Brown tips. Um, would I be bold enough to do it? what would I think of someone who was bold enough to do that certainly I think it would break the ice certainly I think it would maybe make me uh engage with them oof that's a toughie I'm going to put that in the category with tripping over tables bringing biscuits picking up litter you know use at your own risk I would say certainly for those things um so that takes us through our first three we've talked about the tour we've talked about preparing we've talked about the arrival uh, now we are going to 
head off to the ads. And when we come back from the ads, we are going to talk just a little bit about the lesson. You're going to be asked to deliver something. Uh, and probably you're going to be asked to reflect on it as well. So it's an important part and it's a tricky part to get right. So we'll see you on the other side. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Boridar Pal, Kroiso Abatawi. Hello and welcome to Swansea. Welcome to the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, on Teachers Talk Radio. And you join us. It's an exciting time. It's my 40th show, if you don't include our Twitter spaces. Uh, my 40th show on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, we are at our half a millionth. 
half a millionth download uh, 500,000 downloads of teacher talk radio shows um today that happened very exciting and of course we are live so um if you want to uh, text in oh we've just had a text in there just saying happy 40th show nathan if you want to call in to make a comment you can do live and of course you can find us on twitter you can find us on instagram you can find us on linkedin you can find us on facebook and uh, you can of course find us at our website as well ttradio.org where um, if you go to ttradio.org slash listen back you can add to that list of half a million downloads by checking out any of our previous shows uh, now we have been talking tonight about top teacher interview tips. Um, those tips for uh, going for an interview um, for a generic, and I, I should say this, a fairly generic interview because every school will do things slightly differently. Um, there have been schools who I've heard who don't expect you to teach a lesson, which is what we're talking about next. They ask you to observe a lesson or there are schools where rather than you going and teaching some children you don't know uh, they come to your school and will observe you teach there um, so it's it's really different and unique and depends on the school but there are some generic kind of stalwart items that lots of people uh, include in their interview so it's worth us talking through and the next one we are talking about we've done the tour uh We've done uh, preparing, so where you can find that information and the important bits uh, to check out. Uh, we've done the arrival. Uh, we've talked about, you know, making that first good impression. And now we're going to talk about the lesson. So you may, it's very likely, I would say, you may be asked to deliver something. And sometimes this will be to a, uh, maybe to a smaller group than usual because they've decided they want to divide the class up um, and they they may just want to see your instructional style for want of a better word they want to see you present they may um, give you a, a topic they may give you a unit they may give you a scheme of work and say you know you can use this they may give you uh, the, all of their resources behind it uh, what's likely is they will uh, give you a kind of class that they'll be expecting you to teach. They may tweak that and they may pull out some children who they think would be better suited doing some individual work who aren't going to cope with uh, a different teacher coming in and teaching them. So they might manage the group a little bit for you, but chances are it's going to be a fairly normal lesson uh, and maybe shorter than usual if they're seeing a lot of people, but probably a fairly standard lesson in this sense and my advice do you do what you do don't try and do flair and just breathe and be yourself you are a teacher and this is what you're going to do there is no time at this point in in the junction to try and change who you are to fit in somewhere else uh, it's hard to do that over a series of lessons with proper coaching support um, so doing it for a lesson and trying to be uh, not yourself is not going to go down well no matter what. You're setting yourself up to fail. So don't do things that you've never done before in a lesson. You know, don't if you if you've never used uh, Kahoot, don't just whip out Kahoot and start using that. If you've never used whiteboards before, even if the school loves whiteboards, don't use whiteboards. Do you do what you're comfortable with?
Uh, now, some of the messages we've had in from Susie B at the Susie B on Twitter uh, said, check with the school about the class you're teaching. Any additional needs to be aware of? Will there be a TA available, etc.? Uh, SLT have discussed that as something to help differentiate candidates after interview. Um, who took time to contact the school and checked needs and details, etc.? Now, if that isn't forthcoming, drop them an email, give them a call, say, hey, you know, I would be impressed by that. I would be sat there thinking, hey, okay, so this person wants to do well. They've not just taken it. I would hope that schools would be providing that information. But if they don't, I see no harm in asking. Uh, you, you know, it's important thing for how you would change your lesson, the class that you are teaching. Uh, secret head teacher at secret ht1 said always take a roll of sticky labels uh for the names in the lesson and again a great piece you know this is a group of children you don't know using names is an important rapport building skill it helps you identify the children it shows that you want to know them and so yeah a roll of sticky labels just to uh uh Put names either on the desk or, you know, for the children to wear themselves will help you engage, interact in a way that is most natural to how you normally teach. Most of you will be teaching lessons where you are saying, OK, James, what do you think? OK, you know, you're cold calling children by name. If you don't know your, their names, that's harder. And that's a great way to get around that problem. Secret Head Teacher on Twitter goes on to say, download everything. Don't rely on the internet for lessons or presentations. Have backup after backup. Have paper copies of everything uh, to give out if needed. Sounds simple, but I've had a few. I've had a few shocked when they can't get on our Wi-Fi or have no link or copy. I'll say this definitely. When interactive whiteboards were far more common, I mean, a lot of people now have gone back to just using PowerPoint. Um, there were two main brands, and those two main brands weren't necessarily compatible. Uh, and so a lot of people, it really threw them when they arrived, and the thing they were used to using, the software, um, and the thing that they'd saved their lesson into, didn't work on the school system. And it would really throw them. They wouldn't, you know, what would they have to do? Um, and so, yeah, thinking those things through, having backups, I'm a big advocate of taking everything. When I go to interview, my last interview I went to had to have a teaching element to it. And I took whiteboard pens, I took the whiteboards, I took the pencils, I took the paper, I took everything I needed for that lesson, because, you know, there is no guarantee. And, and you know, what does it show? You're prepared. That's an excellent thing. So yeah, I would say take everything. Uh, Steve Woods, at Steve Woods 123 on Twitter said, the, for the lesson of prepare everything think what if they don't have as in take pens to give to the kids who don't have one don't expect kids to have kit knowledge anything don't assume you will even have a projector and sound keep it simple if possible i would back up that again by saying if possible and you don't need to use technology don't use technology you know for me seeing someone teach uh the technology would be uh, an added thing. Some people would overcompensate with the technology. And then if it fails or if it goes wrong, so many things can go wrong. I remember, oh, never do an observed lesson as an NQTE or an ECT using computers. Um, we've had a message in uh, to the live uh, Podbean space saying, uh, check the school, check with the school what they have. I'd like cat 
I'd like candidates who did that. Yeah, agreed. You know, having uh, contact, ask questions, contact the school. If they've sent through something, you can ask them. You can go back to them. It's not a, a one-way channel. And if it's something they don't want to tell you for, for whatever reason, I, I can't think of a really good valid reason why a school would want to put you under that additional pressure. They'll just let you know that they, they, they can't tell you that, you know, if it's part of the task in some way to see how you adapt. Uh, I can't think of a good reason for that. Most would welcome it. Most would recognise that this is someone who uh, understands what they're doing, what they want to achieve. And yeah, it's it's part of a process. So think about those things. I'll go back to my first point. Don't try and flare. You know, it doesn't have to be gone other days. Um, and, and this I have seen where, you know, a teacher turned up for an interview dressed as a pirate. I will admit that was for a primary school job. But yeah, turned up for an interview dressed as a pirate to to kind of really wow and, and all of those things. It's not really what people are looking for now. Do you do what you've done? It's, you know, it's, it's a fairly uh, standard check to see how competent you are. And then the real kick will come later when they talk about the lesson reflection. And we'll talk about that just after the next bit, because before we get onto that, there will almost always be a gap, you know, because they are working round. You'll, you'll, you'll be doing the same tasks as someone else, uh, but it will be on a carousel. So they'll be trying to work their way round. Um, and it is worth saying that there will be probably someone in the room during that lesson observation, uh, observing so that they can feedback, so that they can critique, for want of a better word, uh, how it went. Um, hopefully most teachers are used to having someone else in the room uh, and it won't throw you off. Um, but the next bit that may throw you, uh, because it can really come with uh, so many different kind of things depending on the school, is the pupil panel. So we have talked about the tour. We've talked about preparing before you uh, arrive. Then we've talked about the arrival. We've talked about the lesson, the activity. And again, a lot of these things might happen in a different order, depending on which candidate you are. If there's four candidates, you can't all be teaching at the same time. They're, they're, they'll uh, rotate carousel you round. So there'll be a, a pupil panel. Um, Generally, this is, you know, group together of children, sometimes prefects, uh, you know, and most of these pupils uh, in this situation, they don't want a clown. They're, they're not looking to be entertained. They just want to see a reliable adult who help them when they need it. You know, as I say, they, they may well be prefects or at least they've specifically been chosen to do this. So you need to show them some respect for that. You know, they probably have taken it seriously. They've probably been through a process of coming up with questions. And if you've not been through this as a child, it's it's a really important thing for you. You know, you, you've been chosen to help select uh, a new teacher for the school. And so, you know, talk to them. Don't talk to the adult who's watching you because there likely will be an adult there as well to kind of supervise and, and make notes of the answers and such like. Um, but talk to them and engage with them. And I would say engage with them at a level slightly higher than you would generally engage with a class. And by that, I mean, you know, these are probably prefects. They've probably been chosen. It is a serious role that they've taken. And, you know, don't talk down to them show them the respect for their questions and i would say you know things like yep that is a great question i'm glad you've asked it and the same as you would do with any panel the, the worst mistakes i've seen made 
in, in pupil panels are when the children themselves, the pupils at whatever age, have felt in some way um, patronised or belittled by the candidate in the way that they've been spoken to because they are not an adult. That's not something anyone wants. As I say, you know, keep it serious. Obviously, some lightheartedness as you would do in any interview, but it's a really, you know, a serious part. The, The children likely won't be making any formal decision about you, but they will be feeding back. And certainly the person who watched it will be feeding back about how you interacted with those pupils. Uh, The only thing I'd add to that is don't promise things that you can't see through on. You know, don't tell them that it will be ice creams every day. Uh, You know, um, don't uh, promise trips to the zoo every other week. Um, You know, it's uh, somewhere where people can get tripped up by going too above or Uh, and beyond and kind of trying to sell a a kind of jokey, fun, wacky personality that they're just not really looking for in that situation. They're looking for someone reliable, someone who's going to help them when they need it. And that's what that pupil panel, that's probably my best advice to get through it. Now, don't forget, if you are listening in live, you can uh, text in those questions. You can, of course, hit that call in button if you want to join with a comment. But our next bit, We've talked about the lesson at some point, probably at the the start of the, the interview part, maybe as a different section, but probably at the start of that interview section where you've you've gone into a room. There was a, a panel of people there sat the other side of a desk to you, very likely. Um, they're going to ask you about what you taught. It's going to be some kind of pupil, uh, lesson reflection, some kind of um, coaching dialogue. It might be with a uh, subject lead. It might be with a head of department coming in, showing a coaching model to it. It might be just a kind of uh, a one-to-one. How did you think it went? You know, um, it can sometimes feel a bit like a kind of cross between mind reading and performance humility. I would advise... <laughs> Not to say that it was a 10 out of 10. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that would go badly. If, you know, when I think back, if I, um, when I was interviewing last for jobs for teachers, I was looking for someone who could reflect that there was probably some things that could have gone better. And I will say in all honesty, no matter how good your taught element was, there will almost certainly be things you would want to improve on or do differently because it's a group of children you never met before in a environment you never taught in before. So if you really think that you absolutely nailed it, I would be really surprised because most people would say in that situation, it's almost impossible to do a absolutely perfect job. So you need to reflect. Uh, It's probably from the leadership's point of view, from the interviewer's point of view, an opportunity for them to see how easily you can be coached, you can be mentored and developed. You know, they're looking for someone who can reflect on what they've done, who can who can set their own next targets, someone who isn't maybe uh, closed to that kind of development, maybe uh, someone who doesn't have a growth mindset, someone who isn't defensive about their teaching practices, you know, those are things I'd be looking for in a teacher. And so this is the opportunity for me to see them from a candidate. Um, You'd hopefully already know how well you do in these situations. So you can just be honest. You know, 
is probably an opportunity to drop in any coaching and development sessions that you've been part of. If you've, you know, regularly had that opportunity at school, I'd mention it now. Oh, brilliant. Yep. You know, I've always enjoyed these opportunities to reflect on what I've done. I've always endured this. It's something that we did really well at my last school. We took this time, professional development, we took it seriously and we would hone our craft. Um, from the website prospects at ac.uk, uh, they talk about this being a, a crucial question. Don't just describe the lesson. Talk about what could have gone better as well as what was su- successful. You know, you don't have to just side on the negatives. You can talk about what was successful. And some things that were successful can even be improved further still. They say be prepared uh, with some suggestions of what you would change with hindsight. And we've had a text in there just saying it's okay to say something like I'd be less nervous, acknowledging that it's an interview lesson and we- and it's weird is okay. Yeah, you know, this is this is not you your normal teaching system. You don't know the children. You know, uh, you're being observed. So already there are other people in the room. There's already pressure, you know, so you can reflect on that. Certainly, you know, that would be something that I'd fully accept as as an answer, as long as it had some kind of, you know, development behind it. And as I say, prospects.ac.uk go on to say, acknowledge that you probably don't know the pupils very well by asking uh, if you can have a seating plan or a list of pupils names before the lesson. Uh, You'll have impressed your assessors they say and that's something we talked about earlier about you know ask ask for that information these things are likely available and if they're not they'll tell you they're not so there is no harm in showing that you are uh, you know uh, proactive that's a good thing so ask Um, they go on to say consider the progress of individuals in the lesson remember some of their names um, if you can and give the panel some suggestions of what follow-up lessons would be that's a great point I would be I would be really impressed if you have taken that advice from secret head teacher and put some name labels on them and you have learned some of their names. If you were able in that reflection to say to me, okay, James was doing really well. And I think actually I could move him with this little bit, you know, or or doing this, there would be something I would change there. That would be a great, that would be an impressive answer for me. You know, by using their names, you're just showing a, a a level of uh, competency and awareness and interpersonal skills that, as I say, would would be incredibly impressive. Uh, DBI at June of on Twitter said, I think picking one thing that could have gone better explains what the issue was uh, and what the positive impact would have been if you'd done that one thing better. Framed as, next time I taught that lesson, I would because... I think that's really important, backing it up. You know, when we go to talk about the interview questions themselves, backing up what you're saying is a really important thing to do. Going that next step, you know, what didn't go well? Oh, they didn't complete all the work. Well, that's that's half an answer. You know, we're looking for more. We're looking for deeper. We're looking for development of those things. Uh, Miss Mac at Chloe McNamee uh, under score on twitter said consider if you were able to adequately challenge slash support students seeing as you hadn't met them before Uh, what barriers did you not foresee what barriers did you plan for but didn't encounter all of those things are really important and as i say they are not looking for you to pretend or you know react as if this was a normal lesson it wasn't 
And so it's okay to reflect on those things and talk about what you had prepared for, what you hadn't prepared for, what took you by surprise, what you would change, and importantly, what you would do next time that would make it better based on that. Uh, those are the things uh, that we would be looking for from a lesson reflection. Um, it's a really tough one, and it is probably the hardest way to start and the biggest stumbling block. But if you know it's coming, I would say almost certainly if you've been asked to do something, it is there is a very strong likelihood in today's teaching environment that you'll be asked to reflect on what it was. And sometimes, depending on the interviewee, that can come in different forms. I've seen it, you know, as uh, as a coaching session where a, a trained coach has delivered that and someone has observed you interacting with them through a developmental process and seeing, as I say, they're, they're judging to see if they can work with you to get you to where you need to be, where you can possibly be. So they want to see if you can be uh, developed, if you can be molded, if you can take feedback. So sometimes it's done that way. Sometimes I've seen it as little as, you know, a kind of glib, well, how do you think that went? I don't like that myself personally, but if you know that's coming, you should know what they are looking for is the kind of development of an answer like we've just discussed. Um, a glib answer back would not suffice just because they've asked it in a fairly short way. What they're asking is, they are saying to you, reflect on what happened, talk about what went well, judge it, develop it, next steps it, and talk about what you would do differently. Now, when we come back after the news, we're going to be talking about the interview itself, that sat down panel where they're taking turns, asking you questions, and you're having to answer. So we're going to be taking that on next. There are, of course, always some key questions. We'll break them down as well. We'll talk about what made you teach, why here, why have you applied to this school, and of course, safeguarding and any other questions. That's always a tricky one that always seems to trip people up. So we'll see you on the other side of the news for talking about teacher interview questions as part of our top teacher interview tips. Uh, see you in about five. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn 
Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. England, according to a report in The Guardian, classes are becoming cramped, not only because of larger class sizes, but because pupils are getting bigger. Elaine Paling, a National Executive Member of the NES UWT for Buckinghamshire, Milton Keynes and Oxfordshire said, It's not just the number of pupils in the room, it's also about the increase in size of the pupils themselves. When I look around now, it's not the fact that these rooms have shrunk, it's that the students have grown. In the 1970s, the average teenage boy was shorter, slighter and had smaller feet than today. Now they are crammed into chairs and desks, which are absolutely not suitable for them. And where do they put their feet? In the aisle. A survey released by the Office for National Statistics and the Centre for Statistical Education at Nottingham Trent University found that an average 15-year-old boy at the start of the century at 5 foot 8 inches was around 9 inches taller than someone of his age would have been in 1837. In England, the Education Secretary, Nadim Sahawi, is to announce a new Natural History GCSE. The Department for Education said that the qualification will enable pupils to learn about environmental and sustainability issues. At present, pupils already learn about environmental issues through geography and science, but the government has said that the new course will go further. Mr Sahawi said... Sustainability and climate change are the biggest challenges facing mankind. None of us can be in any doubt just how critical they have become. The new Natural History GCSE will offer young people a chance to develop a deeper knowledge and understanding of this amazing planet, its environment and how to conserve it. The qualification will be available from September 2025. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about improving your skills. I listened to the morning show with Dorian Brown last Friday and he was discussing teachers' tech skills. I'm not here to start a discussion, that's his job. However, this week I investigate can you get better at tech for free? Is there any CPD out there that doesn't cost a fortune? The answer is yes. There's a lot of online self-paced courses out there and even some supported by bursary funding for cover to get you out of the classroom and trained in school time. So what did I find? Let's start with free training. Let's face it, the big three companies in EdTech are Apple, Google and Microsoft. So what do they offer? Apple Teacher is a free professional learning program designed to support and celebrate educators using Apple products for teaching and learning. As an educator, you can build skills on iPad and Mac that directly apply to activities with your students. Earn recognition for new things you learn and be rewarded for the great work you do every day. Sign into the program and work your way through the badges to get your Apple Teacher certificate. Google for Education offer a free training for educators. Courses range from beginner to advanced and there's also lots of courses on getting the most out of devices such of Chromebooks. They also have a certified program consisting of educator level one and level two. All resources are free, but if you want certification, it's done through a paid exam. You can also go on to be a certified trainer, innovator, and coach. Microsoft Educator Center offers hundreds of free online self-paced courses for educators. All have a certificate attached and a badge that can be shared. There is also a dedicated educator pathway to become an innovative educator, trainer, and expert. All of these are free. If you want to fine tune a particular skill, there's loads of free training providers out there too. For example, Coursera is an online self-paced course platform that offers free training. If you want a certificate, you'll need to pay, but lots of courses are free, and if you don't need proof of completion, go for it. Finally, there's lots of different hubs out there that provide bursary-funded CPD for schools, computing, maths, English, and MFL, to name a few. A great way to find out what's on offer is to contact your local teaching school hub, as they will know what is available in your area. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Boridar Palb, Chriso Abatawi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Swansea. Welcome to the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, here on Teachers Talk Radio. And tonight, we are talking top teacher interview tips. We have talked about the school tour. We've talked about preparing before you arrive. We've talked about the arrival and making sure you get there on time. We've talked about the lesson. There's, there's always, generally, they'll want to see you teach. And so something like that will happen. We've talked about the pupil panel where they sit you in front of a group of students and they ask you the questions. We've also talked about the lesson reflection. Uh, you know, if you're going to teach, they'll always ask you to reflect on what it was in some form. Now, we get to the meat on the bones. We are talking about the interview itself, that part where you are invited into a room and there is a, a row of people, maybe. They are sat there, uh, one, two, three, and they are going to ask you questions. Generally, what will happen is they will have pre-prepared who is going to ask which questions. 
Uh, and so you will get a question from this person while the other two people seem to just be jotting down writing. That is that is part of the process. That is what they're supposed to be doing. Okay. Um, you can talk to all three of them. <laughs> you can do that. You uh, When you uh, speak to them, uh, you are answering sort of a, a question from the organisation. So uh, the questions, depending on the system, each answer may be marked independently. And this is something to really be aware of. So if you have something that's worth repeating, repeat it. Okay, because the, the, if the questions are marked individually and you haven't said it for that specific question, you might be marked down. Even though you said it, you know, maybe five minutes before in answer to a different question, if they are marking the questions individually, which often they will do, it's the standard procedure, even if you've put it in your application, it doesn't get you a grade within that. It doesn't get you more ticks within that thing. You need to answer it then. So I say, you know, repeat if you need to. And if you're unsure, just drop it in, mention it again. And those development points, if they need you to, to stop, they, they will stop you if you're, if you're giving too full an answer. What you don't want to be in the position of, though, is where they're having to ask you to develop more. They, they shouldn't really be doing that. That's kind of helping you out. And that, that's a sign that maybe things aren't going as well. You need to give these, these fuller answers. Now, um, I, um, we have a tweet from Miss Evans, who I believe is listening with us right now, um, who said, I also practice answering the interview questions aloud in the car on the way there. It might look less crazy if you have someone ring you and answer you, though. Uh, I find practicing and articulating what I want to say and practice phrasing it out loud helpful. Now, I agree entirely. I like, you know, I will run it through in my head, uh, sometimes out loud, to see how these, these, these words come out. The questions exist and there will be many, many questions. You know, you'll be able to Google this and we'll go through some of the common ones, uh, but you'll be able to Google it and come up with lists and lists of different teacher questions. And, and we'll share some in a second. Now, as far as uh, prospects.ac.uk talk about their tips for answering these questions, they give a structure to respond that you can think about when you're answering these questions. They call it the STAR method. Um, and this, to get your point across, they call it situation. So giving a context for your anecdote, which most of your answers will be anecdotal. Uh, a task, explain what you were asked to do. The activity, that's what you did. And then the result, how the situation played out, how it was effective. And I would say, yeah, that is a great way to structure uh, when we talk about these questions. Now, I'm going to read through uh, what Indeed.com believe are some of the, the, the most common questions for you to be answered. Now, if you want to try and answer these in the text, if you're here live, by all means, uh, pop them in there. We'll see what your answers are like. Um, we are going to whistle stop through them, though, fairly fast because we want to get onto those key ones, those tricky ones right at the end. Um, like I said, there are at least four that always cause uh, people to have uh, panic. They induce fear. And so we'll get onto those. These ones will all be, that we go through first, will all be really specific to you and the role that you're doing. But we would give them a go. Now, the first one they come up with is, tell me about technology you use in the classroom. Now, I'd say this is probably more, but it is an easy trap to get pulled into. Because what they're really looking for is some kind of innovative thinking, dynamic teaching, computer literacy. Um, they're looking for something like that. Now, you could fall into the trap of talking just about remote teaching. What I would suggest is talk about the remote teaching, talk about how you developed, how you learned, the challenges you took on, and what of those things you would keep. 
but they'll ask you about technology for sure. I would say that, that that's probably a fairly common one. Using technology, they want to know that you're computer literate. Your chance to look a little bit better is to talk about how you addressed things through the period of uh, remote teaching, if you had to remote teach, and then what you would keep from that you know, reflect on it because there were things that everyone would keep, you know, through the pandemic, I taught remotely, which is something I hadn't done before. And I did this, I took this. And the thing that I will keep doing because of that is this, that would be giving you that, that, that fuller answer, the, you know, talk about the impact of what you're doing now. Uh, the next question they give is how do you check students understanding as you teach again a very common question you'll see these hopefully you'll have an understanding of how you do that they're looking for maybe some common buzzwords they'll be looking for you know assessment for learning they'll be looking for you know are you using whiteboards that classic you know are you doing live teaching adapting or are you just chalk and talk generally if they're asking you that that's what they're looking to find out um They'll ask you maybe something about managing, how do you manage situations with challenging students? Now, this is a tricky one. This is a tricky one because, uh, you know, you hopefully, as part of your research, might have read some of their behavior policy. Maybe you've clocked it as part of the school tour. You'll have an idea, hopefully, in applying for the school, what kind of school it is. Do they use restorative practice? Are they uh, a no excuses kind of school? Um, what do they do? And you can talk about how that fits in with your style. What they're really looking for is an understanding of, you know, your professionalism. They'll be looking for an understanding of um, what behavioural issues can occur. You know, do you understand them? And and they'll be looking at your uh, kind of problem solving, uh, your uh, communication, how to correct those behaviour uh, issues when they arrive. You know, a simplistic answer would be following the behaviour policy. You can probably go into more depth. They will almost always ask you about dealing with behaviour. What they want to see is that you will take some of that responsibility and you will refer where necessary. And, and I guess if, you know, if you can talk about that, but as with all of these, I'd say talk about a specific example, make it anecdotal, talk about a challenge that you faced and how you dealt with it and why that worked and what that would take moving forward. Another question then, a classic, I would say, is about how do you communicate and build relationships with the student's parents? Uh, talking about communicating with parents is a fairly common one in my experience asking how you do that um, most of the answers you'd be looking for hopefully most people would be saying you know collaboration support having them on board all of these things you know um, strong communication skills with the guardian or the parent making sure that you are all on the same page those are important things at primary school particularly feedback like that is really important uh, because in some year groups it can be constant because they are picking up at the door but yeah across the board you'll almost certainly be asked about how you communicate and build relationships with parents so it's worth thinking about as i say uh, another of the kind of common uh, questions that you'll be asked um <sighs> It's, it's always something like, how would other people describe you? Uh, kind of like it's, it's always worded in a way of kind of like, how do you think past students or colleagues would describe your teaching style, you as a teacher, in, in some way formed in that way? It's a, you know, they're not looking for a funny answer. They're not looking for witticism. Uh, 
you know, I would at that point be talking about my teaching style, which hopefully I've reflected on. Sometimes there is a question about that. What's your pedagogic style? Um, I'd be talking about that. I'd be talking about my professionalism. I'd be talking about my interpersonal skills and how I connect with the children and the co-workers and keeping it simple. It's not the time to tell them how funny you are uh, at the staff do. Uh, that's that's not the time for that question. Um, now, as I say, another one of these uk.ind.com questions, and this for me, you know, is a, a real telling one. There are something about organisation. Um, normally in a roundabout way, you know, it's, it's something that an employer would want to find out. And they may well ask something along the lines of, uh, what do you do to get your classroom ready for the first day of school? Again, as I say, they're looking for organisation skills. Um, they're probably looking for enthusiasm, which for me, I don't like. You know, if, if you're going to say that you'd be in, you know, over the summer holidays setting up your classroom, I feel guilty about that. But it does show enthusiasm. It does show a kind of committedness. It's a tough one. But what they are looking for is, are you organised? Are you enthusiastic? If you can hit those two things, um, you know, you, you will have done well. Whether you want to go, you know, whether they are looking for someone who puts in the extra effort. And again, this may come across in questions such as, um, you know, would you be interested in running a school club? Uh, again, from a, you know, a strongly uh, trade unionist point of view, after school clubs in most schools, at least local authority schools, should be voluntary. Um, what they're looking for is someone who is, is you know, going to go above and beyond. They're looking for getting more bang for their buck. And it's a, you know, it's a tough one to reflect on, but th that's the question they're asking. And so you have to say what you're willing to do. Um, they will um, ask you uh, something about the personalities, the the um, attributes of an effective teacher. It is always a question that I have seen. You know, what do you think makes an effective teacher? Um, and so, you know, at this point, you are looking. I would describe the things that I have also described as myself. I would be looking to enhance. The employability of the skill set I have told them that I have. So I would be making sure that they knew about those things. Obviously, you want to make sure that you hit all the boxes. I wouldn't leave off organization. Uh, if I was disorganized, I would be talking about that too. But I'd be looking to accentuate the positive of what I can bring. Um, one of the other questions they have on here, sort of the other flip side of that, is what's the most challenging aspect of being a teacher? And this really is a question that is designed to look at your enthusiasm again, your positive attitude, but also that it's a bit like the lesson reflection element of the interview. They're looking for you to uh, really accept that there are challenges and things that can be done better and things that need to take hard work and improve on, but while still maintaining a positivity and an enthusiasm and an adaptability to your professional development. You know, again, a common question. As I say, all of these are readily available. And the key ones, the key ones that we want to talk about uh, will be coming up very shortly. Now, the first of those the first of those key questions, those hard questions, is what made you want to teach?
What made you want to teach? Now, it's not the X factor. You don't need a sob story for this. You know, it, it's not the person with who's overcome the biggest challenges who, who gets the job. Uh, and schools aren't really looking for martyrs in that sense. You know, we're not looking for someone who, you know, is going to walk over coal, hot coals for their, uh, for their class. Somewhere slightly below that, I'd be pitching it. Um, it should tell them something about you, though. So don't be too generic, you know, not just I enjoyed school and so I wanted to become a teacher. Make it personal, you know, give specific details to help engage them. Tell them the name of that teacher. Tell them, you know, about the, the sunlight coming through the classroom and how that made you feel and the, 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 the fact that there was a display board that had a positive image on it. If you can add those extra details, they will uh, engage the story more and that will, that will help sell it but as I say you're not looking to tell a stop story and they are going to be unique to you everyone's story about why they are a teacher uh, is different as many as there are different teachers so do you tell your story one of the things from a blog by uh, twinkle.co.uk in Australia um, said let your passion shine and their top tips were Talk to them about a curriculum area you're passionate about teaching. Your love of teaching will be visible when you smile and the panel will see your love of the job. And I would second that entirely. That was from a Melinda Galinsky who, you know, they will see that your story is real when you talk about it, if you tell a truthful story. Um, and again, another comment on that same uh, blog was tell your story, what you believe, what you've done. And, and, and then if you add to that what you can do for the school, which is taking it that next step, taking an answer that next step further, that was by an Anna Rachel. Um, that's how you move it. You know, I enjoyed school and give lots of details about why and the specifics of it. That made me want to become a teacher. I worked hard at crafting it so that I could do this specific, this specific, this specific. And that is what I am bringing. And, and, and that would be a great way to, to, to really answer what is a, an incredibly tricky story, one that can people can often get wrong. Uh, at weareteachers.com, uh, go on to say, it seems trite and like a softball question, but don't let it fool you. Uh, most administrators are looking for something more than, I just always love kids. If you don't have a substantive answer, then why are you even applying? At schools want to know you are dedicated to enriching the lives of students, answer honestly and with anecdotes or examples to paint a clear picture of the journey that it took to become a teacher. And I'd say, yeah, you know, that, that would sell me in an interview. That is what I would be looking for. A honest but engaging story painting a really vivid and clear picture of, of, of that person's journey. This is the point in it where I am not employing a person I am, I'm not employing a teacher, sorry, I'm looking at a person and how that person fits into my organisation, okay? All schools are different. We, you know, we have to get over the idea that, that every school would be the same and you could be as equally good a teacher. You know, it's like dating. You know, they are looking. This is your point to sell yourself. Uh, prospects.ac.uk say you need to demonstrate that teaching is your first choice, not a plan B. Talk about your motivation and emphasize your passion for teaching. Provide good examples from your time in school, specific teaching elements that you find satisfying, and avoid broad responses. 
such as I've always wanted to be a teacher. I personally, when I, you know, when I was interviewing teachers, I was not a fan of I've always wanted to be a teacher. You know, I, I needed to hear more. I needed to hear why. I needed to hear what challenges that, you know, they'd overcome. As much as I say, it's not the X factor. Uh, I want to see that this was, as I say, not something they slipped into necessarily, although some of us did, you know, and not necessarily a plan B, although for some of us, it may well have been, you know, you're selling yourself at this point. That is the you. It takes us on to the next really tricky question that people often don't think about, which is why here? Why here? So why did you apply for the job at this school? Uh, and it's a toughie because for some of us, I have been in that situation. I needed a job. I needed to pay the rent, but I couldn't say at an interview, yeah, why here? Because the, the advert came up and I, I needed to pay my rent. So my controversial opinion on this really is give them flattery. This is the point to flatter them. You've been on the tour, you've seen the school, you've done your research. Tell them how wonderful a job they're doing. Tell them about the things that you really want to be part of at that school. If they're, you know, the the, the development. Um, use it as a chance to showcase what you'll bring to that as well, though. So that's the next step on it. Okay, flatter them a bit. It's wonderful. You know, I think that the outdoor learning classroom that you have is an amazing benefit. I, you know, it's so fantastic that you're doing that as a school. And I really think that I would be able to take that to the next level by bringing this skill that I have to to make it even better. OK, that's your point. Flatter and develop. Mostly, you know, what you're looking to talk about is fit, you know, how you fit in with it. And so I'd be looking to say something as well about, you know, that it, it's the right place for you. It's the right place for you to grow and thrive. Hopefully that's why you've applied. Hopefully it will be that place. And so that's what the an answer that I think, if I heard, would be impressive, would be someone talking about that they've looked at the school and they liked it, they were impressed by it, they thought they could add to it, and they thought that when they were here, they would be added to as well. They would grow as well. So we would all grow together. Um, Prospects.ac.uk on their blog say, uh, often one of the first questions in most teaching interviews, it's preparation is vital to answer this successfully. Think about why you would be a good fit to work in that school you're interviewing at. Talk about why you're interested in their school specifically. Mentioning what you know about its ethos, its values, the demographic, its educational goals, its objectives, the initiatives and the extracurricular activities. And as I say, a lot of that you'll be able to find out if you've done the preparing. If you missed the start of the show, go back and listen to it. The section on preparing where we talk about um, using the website, but specifically looking for newsletters. You know, things where they talk about things that they are proud of and also looking for the pupil premium statement where they talk about things if they are putting that money in, which for a primary school, you know, an average size primary school with an average sort of demographic, you'd be talking about, you know, 60 to 70,000 pound that they are directing into something. That is what they believe in. Okay, that is a choice they've made and, and you won't find the school improvement plan, but you will find that. And so it's a chance for you to talk about their extracurricular activities, their initiatives, their objectives, what they are doing. 
Uh, and that should be, hopefully, why you applied for the job in the first place. You know, and I'd only add to that the development of you. Hopefully, you're applying to a school that will help you grow as a professional, help you improve as a professional, and that's why you've applied there. But again, a tricky question. People often aren't prepared for it. It was, you know, and people I've interviewed have always been thrown by that as a question. You know, why why did you apply here? And suddenly they're like a deer in headlights. Sort of, uh, you know, uh, I um, um, think about it beforehand. So we prepare. Our next question. The ones we've broken down. So we've talked about the generic. There will be interview questions. There will be a lesson reflection. Uh, they'll be talking about, they'll always ask you what made you teach. And they'll talk about why here. And there will always, always be a safeguarding question. There will always be questions about safeguarding. You need to get the basics right. You can check their policies online beforehand. Okay, but if you're not confident with safeguarding procedures, there's, there's probably, you know, that's something you need to read up on. You know, if you're in England reading the Kixie, making sure you're familiar with all of those things as part of your training. Uh, as you're walking around, um, you should also be able to clock if there are any of their DSL posters, you know, the designated safeguarding leads. If you're familiar with schools, you'll often see them. There'll be some pictures of the people, you know, and if you can refer to them, that would be really useful. You know, it's those added details. Okay. Uh, in any teaching interview, there, there'll be a question about safeguarding, um, and it probably will take the form of one of these. Okay, something like, "What is a teacher's responsibility in keeping children safe?" Uh, tell us how you deal with a safeguarding issue in school. Uh, what would you do if a child disclosed a personal issue? Uh, prepare. Uh, for this, by you know, you read the the safeguarding policy. Um, preferably for the school you're applying at, or if not, the one the one you're at. You know, you could speak to the designated safeguarding leader at your current school because this will come up, and so you need to have an answer about it. Now, obviously, when you're giving that answer, if you are talking about giving specifics, obviously you shouldn't be giving uh, such identifiable characteristics, but you can give anecdotal examples to help back up. You know, yes, you know, I have dealt with this. And when I dealt with it, what I did was this. And the reason I did that was this. And then the, the only thing that I would add to that, some people forget, is that that last bit at the end of any safeguarding procedure that sometimes teachers forget about is that right at the very end, you should go back and check, right? So if you have reported it, you know, most people will get to that part of the question and say, and then I would report it to the DSL and done. Well, actually, there's a step after that in your safeguarding policy, I would assume. And that is where the DSL feeds back to you or you go to the designated safeguarding lead and ask for feedback on what was done about the issue. So that that's really an important part to, to pick up on. And if someone was to include that in their answer for me, that would be a, you know, a, a real guarantee of a really quality answer. And that takes us to our last of the questions. You've got to the very end of this. You know, you've been sipping your glass of water so that you have thinking time. You've answered all of the kind of standard questions, which, as I say, go online, Google it. There are hundreds uh, and think about them. And, you know, um, as Sam Evans says, practice them in your car. You know, talk out loud. Talk to a mirror. Talk to a friend. Practice your answers. Um, but they will ask, what made you teach? Why here? They will ask a safeguarding question. And then right at the end, they'll say, do you have any questions? 
and normally there is tumbleweed and normally uh, you get a polite answer, oh no no thank you I think you know I think you've answered it and that's okay you know you know no thank you I think you've answered all of the questions I had at least then you are in some way insinuating that you had questions noted down maybe look at your notebook and say no I think you've actually answered all my questions better that you have a question ask about development opportunities it's probably not something they've talked about you know do you support the MPQ qualifications you know if I wanted to go on to do my master's where you know where could I be uh, ask about opportunities to use some of the skills that you bring. If you are a, you know, a, a mountain leader, ask about, you know, will there be an opportunity to, for you to use those? It's a chance for you to uh, emphasise the things that you're bringing again. Or ask more about a school development area, you know, that's been mentioned and talk about how that would excite you. I've seen that done with great effect on me. You know, and I, you know, I don't want to say I fell for it, but it it worked. It impressed me, you know, when they said, oh, you know, I can see that you're working on this thing. That's really exciting. Where do you think it will go? And then suddenly I'm the one talking passionately about something that the school's going to do. And then they respond by saying, oh, yeah, I'd love to be involved in something like that. That's so exciting. I think you can see what I'm talking about there. It's 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 about building that relationship and 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 leaving on a real positive note. Uh, Dan Rosen at Musings of a Doctor on Twitter said, uh, "Make sure you have some questions for the interview. Candidates often have plenty of opportunities to ask on a tour, at break, and and sometimes say I've already asked everything that I want to." But save something, he says. It's important to hear from the panel and it builds a relationship. I agree entirely that that is what that point is for. It is your opportunity to build that relationship, to leave on a positive, so don't waste it. Final tips as far as that goes. Uh, a lot of people have said don't walk into a cupboard as you leave. That certainly is good advice for an interview. Uh, yep, don't walk into a cupboard as you leave. Um, but apparently it seems to have happened to far more people online. I won't name them by names, but many of the comments have come in and, and quite a few of them have been, I walked into, or I know someone who walked into a cupboard as they went to leave the, uh, the interview. Hey, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe that would work for you. Maybe it's part of that, um, prattful, um, trick that we talked about at the start from at Asbo teacher who said that you should trip over a table. Maybe it builds rapport risky but maybe it does so we're coming to the end of the show and it's worth us talking about the final part then of the day and that's the call okay you've been on interview all day it's been hard for you but it's probably been a challenging day for them as well so congrats or not everyone's had a long day and if they are a school leader they've probably given out more bad news than good that evening with the phone calls they've made because you know if there were six of you, they've had to tell five of you that it's not good news. Now, generally, what will happen in this process is they will call the person first who has got the job before they call anyone else. So make sure your phone's on, okay, because you don't want to be holding up the chain, even if you weren't successful. The reason for that is normally because if you call up the person and say, we'd like to offer you the job, uh, will you, you know, verbally accept? And they say no, then you take it back to the panel and, and look to see if you want to appoint one of the other candidates. So it'll always be that way. 
So the earlier the phone call, the better, really. But have your phone on. Now, be polite, even if it's not good news, because there may be more jobs going there soon, particularly if it's a big school. And also, you know, school networks are small places. So, you know, if, if you are incredibly rude, uh, maybe others will hear about it. And then ask for f- a feedback meeting. Don't ask for feedback right away on the phone. As I say, they've probably had a long day. They'll be willing to give it and you want to make the most of it. It's really good CPD. So ask, you know, if you can email in a few days or in a week to arrange a feedback meeting or phone call uh, to hear about what you could do to improve. Now, what's really interesting is I have heard from people online who said they've done that even if they were successful. And I think that's an incredibly good point. Sometimes we forget. You know, we've been successful, but there could have been things we did better. Maybe it was a close call. Gareth Letton uh, at G-E-G underscore Ed says, be real. Tell the truth as you see it on your interview day. Then when you get the job, they knew what they were, what you were selling. And I'd agree with that. You know, that is the message throughout this. Be you, be true. Because it's a joint thing. They're buying you as much as you're selling you. Okay. And if you get into a school that doesn't fit, then, you know, that's uh, that's going to be hard for everyone. You know, it wants to be a good fit. And much like dating, you could be a wonderful teacher for someone else, but maybe just not right there. Now, other things that happen that we haven't had a chance to talk about, as I say, you could be asked to review someone else's lesson. Sometimes I've been on interviews or, or held interviews as well, where there's been an in-tray task. That's where you're asked to, uh, you know, look at a list of things and coordinate your day based on it. You know, it will be things like you have this lesson, this lesson, a parent to call, suddenly a child's sick. What do you do? They tend to be for jobs uh, with leadership responsibilities, but sometimes in teacher interviews that can come as well. Marking some work is something that I've heard done. Marking some work and providing next steps or drafting a letter to a parent to call home. A bit like when we talked in the interview, they'll want to know how you communicate with parents and uh, other stakeholders. One of the trickiest ones, and I have no advice for this, I'm afraid, is when you're asked to bring an object. Uh, That would be when uh, they say, okay, you know, we'd like you to teach, we'd like you to do this, there'd be an interview, and can you bring something that defines you as a teacher? Wow, I, you know, there is plenty of advice and I've looked, none of it I'd care to repeat. I think, you know, that's something where they're looking to find out a little bit more about you. So it's going to have to be you, something honest, keep it relatable, uh, give details and try and tie it as much as you can to the teacher you are now. And that hopefully would be a great answer. Now, it is the end of our show for tonight. Hopefully, uh, some of that has been helpful. If you want to listen back, you can find all of our podcasts uh, joining the half a million downloads that we've had at ttradio.org slash listen back. You can also find them on iTunes, on Amazon, on well, any of those podcasts downloading, whatever your choice is, you can find them there and, and you can listen back or share it with someone who you know is going for an interview. Thank you to all of our contributors, whether they be in the studio live or through Twitter. It's been great to have those bits of advice for everyone. Now, if you're still with us a little bit later on this evening, we've got the Late Late Show with Ed and Toby. Uh, 
that's starting at 10 o'clock, 10 till 11. So you'll be able to join us back for that. But if not, best of luck if you are interviewing uh, Nostar from here in South Wales. And we'll see you all next time. Nostar. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.